Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, welcome back to Season 2, Episode 9. BJJ Globetrotters USA Camp, Part 1. So the Riddler and I went on a road trip up to Camp Manitou in Oakland, Maine to go to the BJJ Globetrotters USA Camp. If you've never been to one of their camps, you definitely need to go. Um, this one's in a beautiful place and there is a ton of good people and no shortage of training. Um, through an introduction from our friend Devin Powell, I got to uh, hang out with and learn some techniques and then roll with a guy named Aaron Milam. It became evident really quickly that he is a great grappler. And I think when you hear the podcast, it'll also become evident pretty quick that he's a well-spoken, intelligent, and humble dude. He's the owner of Henzo uh, Gracie Portland, Oregon, and has trained with some of the best grapplers in the world. And he himself is really good and technical grappler. Uh, so a special shout out to uh, Christian Grogart. Thank you for inviting us to your camp. Uh, thanks to Devin Powell for uh, introducing us. Also, make sure you guys go check out www.bjjprehab.com. It's a new site to help with preventing and treating injuries from grappling. Um, bjjprehab.com. As always, this episode is brought to you by the greatest soap company in the universe, Tortuga Soap Company. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoy the episode. Aaron Milam. Hey guys, welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. We're visiting... uh, the BJJ Globetrotters USA camp up in Maine. Um, I just grabbed a random guy who kicked my ass on the mats, and we're going to talk to him a little bit and see what he's all about. <laughs> random guy? Yeah, he's not. His name is Aaron Milam, and he's from Portland, Oregon. Owns a gym up in Oregon. Hands uh, um, Gracie, Portland, in Portland, Oregon, for the last uh, three years ago. I moved out there from New York City, opened up the gym. I've been going strong, strong since. How long did you train in New York City, man? About 10 years. And uh, moved there for graduate school. Actually, I was in Los Angeles before that. Uh, shotgunned my applications and got in New York. What, what were you going to graduate school for? Philosophy. Nice. John Danaher. <laughs> right. So, so you trained under John Danaher? I trained under John there. Uh, surprisingly, didn't, didn't, he and I never got into too many philosophy talks over huh. the years. Uh, Strictly jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I did a year of grad school and, and then slowly poured it over to full-time jiu-jitsu. It was more appropriate at the time. More, I was getting more value from it. How uh, did you get into jiu-jitsu originally? Uh, interesting. Uh, I, did, uh, I was doing Muay Thai in Los Angeles under Garth Redwood. He had a gym and uh, we showed up one day and, and there were chains on the door and, <laughs> and the ring was broken down. School was no more. Like, Jesus, man, three three guys had fights this weekend. What Whoa. The, you know, so I don't know even what happened to that. But I went back to my old kung fu teacher. I took kung fu as a kid. Nice. I, didn't know I was like, oh, Ron, what, uh, where, do, where should I train? <laughs> where do you recommend training? And uh, 
Hey Diogo, Carlson Gracie team yeah, at, at the time was renting mat space at the Kung Fu school. I was like, well, I, I always enjoyed wrestling and just sort of scrapping with my friends. And so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do jujitsu. I didn't know a thing about it, man. I started training with Hey, and, and it was at a time. When how, was, how was that first day? Oh, I fucked everybody up. <laughs> 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 Hey, That's hey, exactly what happened. Hey, hey, I was the youngest guy on the team. Yeah. And uh, so he, had, he had an older crew, which was small. I started with, with his LA team, there were like seven or eight guys. You know, it's David, David Coda, he was his first black belt. He, he put the pain on me. But the rest of them, I was the youngest kid and took advantage of that. Nice. And, and then Hay stepped in and <laughs> regulated. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. He's great. He's like a second father to me to this day. So, man, then you ended up at Henzo's in New York City, which is legendary, obviously, and becoming even more so maybe now with, with Danaher and all the Danaher guys. What was it like training at Henzo's? Man, they've they really uh, come to the forefront of uh, internet jiu-jitsu <laughs> lately. Well, East Coast, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's so much, though, man. It, you know, I had a school in New York, too, and, and I think... You know, of all those guys, why was anybody training with me in the city when you've got Enzo and, and John here and, and Marcelo five blocks away? Now the Meows. Shaolin. Shaolin uptown. I mean, there's so much world-class. T- it just comes down to New Yorkers being lazy uh, uh, you're or, being, or busy. You're being, you're being overly <laughs> modest. They're obviously getting what they needed. I mean, there's, there's different pe- people go for different things, and not everybody needs a, a world-class instructor to teach them. Uh, but it comes down to people not wanting to, t- to go more than one subway stop for their training after work, you know. And so you got you got thirty. Were you were you at uh, at Henzo's? Did you cross over with uh, Tom the Blast? He was just we talked to him a couple weeks ago. He was a generation before me. Oh, okay. So, so, so I moved to, when I was still in Los Angeles. Uh, Sean Williams moved out to L.A. Oh yeah. Uh, and my roommate at the time was a, a, a New Yorker who knew Sean. So Sean spent some time on my couch as he was transitioning from, from New York to L.A. Uh, so when I got into grad school and I was moving back, Sean was like, hey, you know, New York, came John, only John. Right. Tell him I sent you kind of thing. Wow. So, so I had that sort It's a of good re- introduction, refer- man. Yeah. Like, hey, Sean sent me. Right. Yeah, very good. I'll pay attention <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah. So how'd you end up in Oregon? Um... You're in, I feel like most New Yorkers uh, have a, 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 intend to be there for a short amount of time, and that time keeps getting drawn out. And so I was six years past my initial four-year <laughs> timeline. Right. Yeah. Had a kid. So, all right, well, that's that's it. I can't raise a kid in New York. This doesn't make sense anymore. So getting back to the West Coast, uh, made a Google map. Uh, and I plotted every single jiu-jitsu school from Mexico to Canada within wow. 15 miles of the coast. Uh, it was terrifying just to see how, how oversaturated certain areas were. And yes. just, you know, I can't move here or here. And I ended up in, in Portland. I had a, a former student from New York who was in Portland already. So to make that transition easier, I came out and did a couple seminars. And, yeah. uh, just felt out the jiu-jitsu there. Uh, and it seemed opening a school was going to be very doable. So How long has it been? Sort of worked out. I moved, I moved there four years ago. Four years. Yeah, it took about a year to get the school up. So we'll be there 
August will be three years in our, our present facility. I noticed you were uh, you were showing George here uh, and a number of people, and we came in while you were teaching, so I apologize, we weren't there during your class. We came in uh, later then, but uh, you had a, a, a really interesting set of techniques, you know, uh, a lot of uh, focus on leg locks, focus on, you know, how to set that up, that whole thing. Is that something you've always been doing, or is that a little newer? Because, uh, you know, right now, as we get people onto the podcast, you can hear the difference between, you know, traditional gi, IBGJF stuff, then out to, you know, all the way out to EBI. Where do you feel like you fit in there? What's your interest there? Uh, under Hay, we, we did no gi once a week. Is like, I think most traditional schools are. Yeah, no gi Fridays. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what they're doing. Right. Uh, uh, moved to New York, and, and at that time, uh, the way graduate school and tuition and stuff was set up, I was only doing Danaher's uh, early, early morning no gi classes. Oh, okay. So the first couple of years, that's that's all I did. Um, got a handful of injuries, too. Uh, bad neck, stenosis in my neck and, and crippled wrists and, and hands that mm-hmm. just make the gi less attractive and, and the neck in particular made me really start playing a heavy guard and then leg lock game right. so I think uh, my, my own style really developed I'd say not primarily due to but, but injuries were a huge cause of what my style is that's, that's fascinating so it actually pushed you away from the gi. You said you have wrist issues, I think, I neck. Think you, I think you have to. I mean, yeah, if I, if I can't grab or, or grabbing injures me, the game turns into hooks. Hooks, yeah. Hooks and, and uh, opposing forces to, to keep the grips that I need. Right. Um, enjoyment of you know certain speed. I was always the fastest person on the mat, too. Right. So I like the speed of, of no gi. Right. Uh, on the feet now, I'm just like, well, the neck is bad. I can't shoot anymore. Yeah. Uh, I like judo better than wrestling now. Right, right, right. Uh, so you make do with what you have. So how do you... Is that how you teach at your, at your school? My school, I, I have a pretty strong curriculum for new students. Whites and blues up to, up to late blue. Or it's like, man, you this... You have to know these things, even if you're not going to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then I also really value the uh, creativity that uh, a person's personality, your game, can come out of once you have those fundamentals. So I try to get the students to a point where they, they have that set of fundamentals uh, and then try to nurture whatever paths they think you know, they're, they're, they're demonstrating. Do you combine gi and no gi, or is it all no gi? Yeah, our curriculum is 50-50. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, try to keep it 50-50 as we add and remove classes. Try to keep that balanced. One of the big arcs on these on this podcast uh, is the future of, of jiu-jitsu, how it's going. It used to be pretty codified. In the, well, probably started from chaos, right? Then it becomes sort of codified into IBJJF and then certain amount of no gi. And now it's really blown open, right? Because you have American promotions, super fights, these things can have a, a wide variety of, uh, you know, of, of rule sets. Uh, we, we, George didn't mention uh, MMA fighter uh, Devin Powell is with us today too. I mean, what Devin brings into the, uh, uh, you know, goes into the, the octagon and the UFC. Um, looking at what like Demian Maya, right? Like what he's bringing in and seeing how he's going to have to deal with the next couple of sets. This is fascinating to someone like me you know because i've only been doing this for a little while i came from judo many years of judo and mm-hmm. this is new you know you come in and it looks like a all gi thing and then all of a sudden like you said it's like i come in here i know shit about leg locks i just go to gi classes and don't train them very much 
and it's fascinating to see it. But it feels like is what are you what you're saying is like this is what jujitsu is. It's bigger than just one thing or the other. It's not just the Danaher system or. Help me out here. I mean, how does that work for you? Do you feel like everybody needs to get the whole the whole gi thing and That's the whole EBI thing? And it's a can of worms. All right. Well, I don't mean to be. Uh, I don't mean to. <coughs> I don't mean it politically. But I mean, it just feels like. Well, what are you interested in going forward? It's ten years from now, you want your students all no gi, all gi, both. Oh, I'm, I'm both. My, my answer to that question is always. Uh, I refer to uh, like learning a language. Uh, if you only know one, you, you lose out on that process of translation, uh, which is where I think uh, that's what I find most enjoyable about it. You, you, in jiu-jitsu, bring it there right away. You, you learn a move in, in gi, and then that process of figuring out how do you replicate that leverage and the particular utility of that move in, in no gi, and, and back and forth. Oh, okay, I see. So, so the, the action's the same, but you're using a different technique to make that action happen? Yeah, which, which can turn into a totally different thing. I mean, cool. It's fundamentally grips, uh, and you no longer have that lapel to wrap around the back to, to you know, create this particular pressure. You've got to figure out a different grip to do that. Um, and you might be able to. It might be a puzzle that you figure out, or the insight might be that, hey, it's just not possible here. Right. That move doesn't translate well. Right. Um, but that process is, I think, really important for learning. And students gain a lot out of the translation process. And if you only do one, you miss out on that. And, like, figuring out themselves? Like, is that something they figure out themselves? Like, how, Or is that something, like, an instructor guides them or something? You know what so, I mean? Sometimes. You know, I can't drop the, the, the quote. Whoever said it, you know, give, uh, give a person three corners of, of the square, view, but not the fourth. Right? Yeah. You know? um, yeah, that's what learning is. You you can't spoon feed them everything. Yeah, um, you're allowing for discovery you have in the to. process. Yeah. You have to, or else, or else they, they grow up to be dumb, <laughs> <laughs> looking for someone to tell them everything. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, oh man, know, I can't if, figure if, it out if myself. I'm, if I'm aiming for that late blue belt to be able to uh, have a strong enough foundation uh, and disposition to create and explore. Uh, where it's going to be fruitful, they've got to already have that cultured in them. Right. That's awesome, man. So I think it's almost lunchtime for you guys, and I promise it'll be quick. But So tell me how you just got into Globetrotters, since we just stole you off the mat. How'd you get here, man? Yeah, man. Um, and leaving, leaving New York, I, I left my teacher. Uh, everybody needs a teacher. You know, just just out, of, out of that culture that I was in trainings hooked up with Nate and Zach Adamson out on the coast right, right. Uh, they're the ones who really referred me to Christian um, she's like, hey, yeah, you, you're not aware of this it's a pretty cool group of people it's fun you get to travel and <laughs> yeah, I just shot Christian a message was like, hey Zach said you guys are cool and that was it that was really it nothing more than that I guess the, the interest was through, through Nate and Zach Portland's a real small open jiu-jitsu community Right. Um, coming from from New York, where there wasn't much cross training at all, really there, there didn't need to be. You know, Henzo's at one point was saying it's thirteen hundred students at, at their school, so you, you don't have to cross train. Yeah, I moved to Portland. I don't I don't know anybody. The you know, right. first thing I did was, yeah, hey, I've got an open mat. Like, I'm not going to go to all your schools all the time. Here, come train at my mat so I can meet everybody. Right. And just kind of kept that that open door. Yeah. Policy to cross train. 
Yeah. You know, you've got 30 black belts on the mat at Hemzo's. There's 30 it, in the city. It, <laughs> it, it, it's so cool to hear that, that the open-door policy, the, the lose the politics, let's just go ahead and do this. Everybody learns from everybody else. Big community. So good. Yeah, man. So cool. Uh, I got one super quick question. Uh, just because you talked about having some stenosis in your neck and injuries have prevented you from having the gi on the way that you, I'm sure you used to love wearing it. Um, so um, I, I also, yeah, I mean, my neck's all jacked up, but the doctor pretty much told me not, I shouldn't do jujitsu or MMA, and this was early into my pro career because I had borderline spinal stenosis um, and a lot of arthritis. Was there any specific injury, or is it just? Are there anything like to the to the newer guys to this sport that you could say, "Hey, don't fucking do this." You know, this is what this is why my neck's destroyed. Um, or is it just? It just comes with the territory. Uh, Fighting chokes yeah. too long, or you know. What I mean? Unfortunately, no. I'm. Uh a lifelong athlete who never took care of himself. Yeah. Was there um, was there, there was there a certain set of techniques that you were that you're looking back going, you know what I should have avoided those? Wouldn't say techniques, no. Um, if anything, do the PT. Yeah. You know, stretch down. Take care of yourself. You know, have have a. Uh, a self-care routine before you need it. You mean as a younger person, younger athlete, after class, specifically, what do you mean? What would you have I mean, done? I mean, yeah, get, 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 jiu-jitsu uh, destroys your body in very particular ways. Right. You know, so it's, right now I'm, I'm 38, going, right, if I'm going to continue to do this, I need to start reversing a lot of this. Mm-hmm. They're like, wait, this is what jiu-jitsu does. It tightens up. Your hip flex because you're, you're holding this forward curl positions all the time, and you right. gotta do exercises to, to counterbalance that. Right. Uh, so maybe before your, your body is mangled into that gorilla walking jujitsu oh, pose, yeah. Yeah. just be mindful of, of what it's doing to you and develop these practices to. As I sit back and try to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've already on a podcast all streams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get that, that camel pose going, yoga uh, style. Uh, yeah. Because the nature of, of the movement does very particular things to your body. And, and if you're young, you don't care. You, you yeah. heal and you don't feel it. Uh, for me, I feel like I have uh, at least every single injury I've, I've gotten since 27. And it's like, you know, they've, they've gotten a little better, but, but they're, they're still there. Right. They sort of stop healing as significantly. Right. So, so, so your, your week of jujitsu is, is longer than just going to class, teaching class. Obviously, you're a teacher. But, I mean, as a student, not just going to class. You're talking about outside of, outside of the classes, stretching, staying in shape. I, I am, for now, a, a two-to-one ratio of, of PT to jujitsu. Listen to you. You mean twice as much PT as, as jujitsu? Yeah. Wow. That's a big number. That's a beautiful thing. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just a little shocked in a positive way. Wow. I went um, the whole stream. I had four fights in exactly six months. Um, Let's just point it out. You're a crazy man and an awesome man and a super inspiration. Let's say that again. Four fights (coughs) in exactly six months. In six months. Well, I'll go through it quick so we can all eat lunch. Please do. (laughs) I I I mean, I think we're doing another one of these. Yeah, 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 totally. But just say your thing, man. Basically, all those fights, my back was so messed up. That I couldn't even bend over and touch my toes. I remember I've had it. issues horrible. like that. I couldn't roll for any of the fights. I had to hit mitts only as a lefty because I right. couldn't switch my hips right. Um, and the biggest change that I've made is similar to where you're saying physical therapy. I, I met with a physical therapist, and he worked or she worked in conjunction with my strength and conditioning coach, if that's the correct word. Yes. <laughs> I'm using it. Um, yes. And we we started a strength and conditioning program that wasn't 
made to destroy my body. It was meant to completely repair it and make it a lot stronger. So now three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have my strength and conditioning, which helps activate my hamstrings, my glutes, yep. stretch out my hip flexors, just like you're talking about. Um, help my core and my back. I can I can throw kicks like I, I couldn't even lift my leg before. Now I can do my Frankenstein walks where I'm walking and kicking over my head and yep. all these things that when I would just go and like all right I'm just gonna go do jujitsu. I'm just gonna go kickbox and instead I'm replacing some of those sessions because you just you get to a point where you can't only do that stuff. You need to re recover and repair and strengthen your body so yeah. that you can do those other sessions and actually be healthy for them. So that's kind of what I've been trying to do. And I feel like my body's definitely thanking me for it so far. Everything's still a little beat up, but it's not like where I just fight through it, you know, and go and go and go. There's a lot of science in 2017. It's available. There's people who know what they're doing, and it sounds like you're just taking it a lot more seriously than just sort of, I'm going to show up and train and go hard and just well, fight through necessity it. necessity, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, not everybody trains as, as hard as we do. Did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, remember the recreational athlete doesn't need it as much but doing you know two a days six days a week for a long time being a, a reckless youth just beating yourself up you know you, you gotta uh, cash the check eventually yeah uh, and, and that could be alright this isn't something I do anymore I'm at a place where I, don't know, I just school. It has to be. Yeah, of course it does. Uh, you know, I stopped grad school and opened the school. This is how I right. support my family. What it is. So yeah. I have to take care of myself. Hey, brother, thank you so much for doing this with us. I'm so glad you came and talked to us, man. It was awesome. Yeah, we just yeah. grabbed you right off the mat and yeah, said, you got to do man, this, so it's you. so good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dev will obviously be around a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we're going to talk more to you. I'll tell you, the... I've done... Uh, yesterday, I did every single class. The only one that I didn't do the drills in was uh, was Christians. I just listened to all the concepts and it was great. Yeah. Your class was the one that I was like, wow, I need, to, I need to look at this stuff way more in depth because all the other stuff, it's like, this is great, but I can do it right off the bat. But I wasn't getting the right leverage. I was really like trying, the way you're banging around people's heads with your hips and your shins and Very cool. using your knees to, to peel limbs and it's just all these things that I'm not good at. I felt like a white belt again. It was amazing. Woo! So I'm really going to try and get, you know, in, uh, in depth on, on those things and start trying to beat up some white belts with and <laughs> progress my way up. White belt privilege. And when I walked in, Devin was like, you got to watch this guy, man. This stuff's really good. So I came over and I was trying to, like, see. And then when I rolled with you, it was awesome, man. Thank you so much for, like, showing me you know, you, you showed us a lot of cool stuff, man, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, let's go jump in the lake. <laughs>